Welcome to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. Today's message is Why Pray by Pastor Terry Keane. Good morning, church. How are you? I'll put on my preacher hat now, okay? Tony had his hats and I'm having my hat. So, um, okay, we're... we're uh, I've got some things here to be able to share with you this morning. Not things, I tell you what, it's the Word of God. That's not a thing. It's absolutely precious and it's powerful and it's wonderful. And uh, so this morning I'm going to talk on a subject which is, with just the title, it says, uh, Why Pray? Why Pray? And, uh, you know, this church is engaged in a lot of prayer over uh, probably over these last quite some months as we've prayed through with many families concerning their circumstances and their situations that they found themselves in. And it really has challenged myself in how I pray and what I pray about and the significance of prayer. And I know I'm preaching to a converted audience, but even so, I'm just saying that that prayer is an extraordinary experience. There's no question about it. And I even ask myself that question, why pray? Why do we pray? And I hope that today I will be able to enrich your life a little bit about how we pray and why we pray and for what we pray. So let's have a look at Matthew chapter 6. And for those who are familiar with this chapter, it's concerning prayer the arms, which is not arms like this, but ALMS, um, and I'll explain that very shortly, but it's all about prayer. And then that really significant portion in the Bible, which is found in Matthew 6, verses 9, particularly to verse 13. So this morning I want to just begin at verse 8. At verse 8, in Matthew chapter 6, it says, do not be like them and Jesus is actually referring to the Gentiles. He had referred to the hypocrites prior to that. But he says, do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Now, Jesus was actually speaking to the crowds. There was a massive crowd that had assembled. And uh, he was talking to them concerning arms, A-L-M-S, and prayer. Now, arms were money, was food, It was other donations given to the poor and to the needy of the time. Jesus not only addresses the crowds which had assembled and received the Beatitudes, because prior to that in chapter 5, he talked about the Beatitudes. But to talk to the hypocrites, he never minced words, Jesus, did he? I tell you, we have to be a little bit more nice about things here. But however, he was quite quite powerful in what he used to say. And so he was talking to the hypocrites in the synagogues. He was uh, who stood on people who stood on street corners to pray and to the Gentiles who spoke in meaningless repetition. Not nice things said about people, about your prayer life, but however, that's exactly what it was like. And it was in the context and in that same context that Jesus says boldly, not to be like them, but your father knows what you need before you even ask him. And there is strangely and, sa- and, and sadly, there are those who actually apply that verse to their prayer life. They say, well, if God already knows about everything, 
what's the point of praying? Why do I need to pray? And there is and are people who consider that to be the way that they go through life. And so what's the need to engage with God, some of them ask. Why do I have to engage with him? He already knows. He's going to bring it to pass anyway. And even before we think about it. And I tell you that it's not my position, not my position at all. I find absolute assurance. I find absolute comfort in the fact that God does know how to bring an answer to my prayer before I even ask it and before I even think it. That's the assurance I have. That's the comfort. And that's where I stand. Why should I fail to acknowledge or believe in Paul's encouragement to the Ephesian Christians where he says, Now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, and to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. And see, Paul was was encouraging the Christians in Ephesus to understand that God was bigger than just an idol or a, a, a name, that he was the one who could do exceeding abundantly beyond all that you ever ask or even think of. And these verses are the powerful finale to Paul's prayer in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 4, where he says, bow your knee, and he bows his knee before the Father, incorporating words such as granting you or strengthening you, dwelling, comprehending, knowing, fullness of God. All those were part of the prayer. And, and I, I love it when people do pray and they, have, they do embellish it with words, but it's necessary because we really want to tell and share and express our prayer. And so Paul was doing that to the Ephesians. So the question is, why pray? Why pray? Frederick Brotherton Meyer, affectionately known as F.B. Meyer, we thought that Boston Higgins was an incredible name, but however, this is an incredible name. Frederick Rutherton Meyer. Who's aware of F.B. Meyer? Good. Four people. That's great. Okay. So, no, not, not really. But um, he was a contemporary and a friend of Dwight Lyman Moody, who was affectionately known as D.L. Moody, and he was an American evangelist. And um, Meyer was a Baptist pastor, and he was an evangelist in England, And he had this to say about prayer. The quote is, The great tragedy of life is not unanswered prayer, but unoffered prayer. The greatest tragedy is not unanswered prayer, but it is unoffered prayer. And so he also suggested that prayer is for most part an untapped resource an unexplored continent where untold treasures actually remain to be unearthed. And so we need to think on that. I need to enlarge. I need to enlarge my whole thinking about prayer. And I hope that this morning I can encourage you to even go deeper and to be able to get a, a, even to in, enter into a, a more significant prayer life. I'm not suggesting that you don't pray. I'm not suggesting that you've got a poor prayer life. I'm wanting to just encourage you today. So let's go back to Matthew chapter 6, 
But moving on to verse 9. And chapter 6 and uh, verse 9, it says, pray then in this way. And so Jesus was even saying that, um, you know, like when you pray, so he was saying, well, you know, it's, it's something that you have to do. It's something that I encourage you to do. It's not something that you just put on the shelf. It's not something that you just do when you feel like it. It's when you pray and when you engage in that prayer. And so we go back to verse 9 and it says that, Pray then in this way. Now Jesus proceeds to clarify how to pray, why he should, we should pray and what to pray about. And he had already referred to the fact that where to pray, where do you pray? He told us to go into a, a, a you know, secret place, into a private place. Now I'm not trying to be, you know, um, un, you know making anyone feel uncomfortable or whatever, but... Some people might go to find the inner room. It might be in the shower, might be in the toilet, it might be in the car, it might be uh, wherever your inner room is. And I don't know where your inner room is, but I'm sure you've got one. I'm sure you've got a little place where you have that time of prayer. And your prayer is not just God save me or help me or whatever. And that is a sad thing if we just have prayer in that way, if we just pray, well, get me out of this mess. Or, and that's the communication. You wouldn't like your child to talk to you like that. You would like your child to engage, to be able to come into a fellowship with one another. And so we go on with um, on, on verse 9, and it says that it's when you pray. This morning I wish to unpack the Lord's Prayer. I wish to be able to establish something more in your life concerning that Lord's Prayer. And uh, it's not just a rapid, traditional and repetitive type of prayer. I mean, who remembers when we used to, I used to, either at school we used to say the Lord's Prayer, actually, and it, wasn't, it was just a state school, but it was, um, you know, even in church, you'd say the Lord's Prayer, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And, you know, you could see, try to work out how fast you could say it. And, and, um, and, and yet it was to be one of the most significant prayers because Jesus said, this is what you should pray. But we would get this into some rapid repetition and we'd think we'd be quite smart and quite accomplished when we have actually gone right through the prayer. And so uh, this morning I want to just share that there's more to it than that. Let me just say this before I unpack that prayer of Jesus for his disciples. Prayer is a fuller, it's a deeper dimension for the disciple of Jesus. Prayer is person-to-person communication. I know I'm not telling you anything new but I'm just wanting to get you to really, really think through and more about how we pray in this church. And uh, God has answered extraordinary prayers. God has answered those please help us prayers. God has answered those ones that we're engaged in worship and, and that we've had this time of, of, of being with him. It's person-to-person communication, having the combination of worship, which is through adoration, through praise, thanksgiving to God, It's through fellowship, which is through devotion and communion and conversation with God. And it's through intercession, through supplication, through fasting and spiritual warfare before God. So back to the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. He says, pray in this way. And the first part of it is, our Father who art in heaven or who is in heaven. 
I hope that, that this morning I want to get that goal of mine across that that we increase our faith, our faith as we pray. To lead you through the Lord's Prayer in order to discover the powerful richness of this prayer and to appreciate the purpose of the prayer. For to me, it's for to me, it's just like a perfect prayer. It's brief, and that's what it is, and it's to the point. It's praying to an all-wise God, an all-loving and attentive and all-powerful God. So the first part of this is to acknowledge our Father who is in heaven. For me, this is an expression of confident faith. Confident faith. In 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 to 15, it says, Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us, and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked or asked of him. Now, that's another sermon in itself, to be honest, and I'm not going to go there today. But that's the confidence. So we need a confident prayer life. Confidence in the God who answers prayer. There's nothing more crippling. There's nothing more crippling to effective prayer than not having confidence in the relationship with God. And this, unfortunately, can be marred for through many disappointing earthly relationships with parents. And as a school chaplain, I work with lots of children and I work with lots of parents and I can see where they have been and shouldn't have been and what they have done with their children and um, the consequences that happen. And uh, there are people out there that when we do talk to them about God, and to have a relationship with a loving Heavenly Father, ooh, it doesn't really go across well sometimes because they have a different opinion of a father to what I possibly have had. And so, and because of this human common uh, fact, Jesus made a point here to show us that the Father, in a way, is no one else that we should ever go to but him, and that he is the one that is going to help. And that's a discovery because there are children who I find that are starting to discover God in our school and uh, there is an allowance to be, able to, to, do, to be able to do that but still struggling with what they tell us or tell myself about their father or their parent. And Jesus is founding all prayer on a growing relationship with a loving God and in that growth, we would learn to pray confidently to him. Now, the second step that I would like to move you to would be that it is hallowed be your name, which literally means holy be your name. You've heard of the little boy who came to his Sunday school teacher. You have, haven't you? The little boy that came to his Sunday school teacher, he says, I know the name of God. The Sunday school teacher said, you do? Yeah, I know the name of God. It's Harold. Harold be your name. Okay. Oh, I'm pleased you still laugh at that because that's a really old joke. <laughs> wake up now, Sean. Wake up, wake up. Um, however, in this beautiful setting of 
not Harold, hallowed be your name. It means holy is your name. Holy, holy, holy is your name. And in those words, we are invited to experience the transforming power of prayer. As Jesus introduces us to life's mightiest action, which is actually worship. I'm a worshiper. I love worshiping. And, um, and, you know, I, and when I've been in here this morning, I just sort of felt I entered into a new place. Transformed by the power of God, by the, by the, the, the worship. I'm grateful to people like yourself, Karen and others, many others who worship God and have that heart to worship God and it transforms our life. It engages us in prayer. Holy is your name. It's a call to worship at the throne of God. Psalm 22, verse 3. Now, there you go, Robert. Robert spoke. Because I'm going, I'm sure that's a, a, a psalm that I have in my message today. And I, I didn't flick through because I didn't think I was speaking on that. I was speaking on the men's breakfast. Yeah. So, no, truly. How amazing. I'm just really blessed by that. Church, I just want you to know that we never, ever get to each other and tell us each, each other what we're doing. You know, that's the Holy Spirit's work. It's his, his activity within the life of the church. And so Psalm 22 verse 3 says, Yet you are holy, O you who are enthroned upon the praises of Israel. It is in that throne room that God transforms your faith. And so let's enter his presence in prayer with worship. Take a new stance. Take a new position. Move your posture in worship from passivity to a power-filled potential for transformation. And that, I think it was um, Sonia, hinted to that today. Move into a new position. Come into a new place in our worship time. The third line in this prayer is your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And the Lord's Prayer in this further shows us how Christ intends us to effectively discharge our responsibility in prayer. Responsible faith. Jesus counsels on how to pray and he illuminates a truth that we can often ignore. People need to invite God's rule and power into the affairs of our lives through prayer. For if we don't pray, God's rule in our circumstance will be forfeited. I'm really encouraging you this morning is to invite God into your prayer life, his rule, his power into the affairs of our lives. And there's then that hint even this morning of where, you know, difficulties and, and circumstances and, and things that want to mar or to stop or to hinder or to stop, you know, not in allowing us to engage. We don't want to be in that position. We want for his kingdom to come. Never to let the promise of Christ's future kingdom keep us from possessing the dimensions of victory that God has for us. When? Now. Not later. It's now. Jesus is coming to establish his kingdom. We know that. But it's working out now as well. And this really 
gave me a different perspective as I started looking at what other people were saying about that line concerning prayer. What is it that means of his kingdom coming? And so it is that I allow Christ's rule to come in, his power into the affairs of my life. He's interested in all the affairs in every aspect of my life, whether it be I'm in a happy place or I'm in not a happy place. God is still interested in the affairs of our life. So do not neglect our prayer life or your prayer life and 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 be people who res, you know draw on the resources that God has for us the resources of God's kingdom and of God's power reaching into the invisible through prayer and you know this has really been an eye opener to myself to 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 even open this sermon up and to pr- pray it through for myself but it's it's looking into the invisible i mean i don't you know, I know all the answers to my prayer are out there. You know that all the answers to your prayers are out there. We're looking into the invisible. And yet in that, in what we think is the invisible place, that's where God has the answers. He has the answers. So let's not forfeit what God wants to do in our prayer life. The next part of the prayer is to give us this day our daily bread. Jesus is talking more Talking more than having enough food or having, a, you know, our physical needs met, he is issuing an invitation for us to come for refreshing, for renewing, for nourishment, for both our soul and for our body. And this phrase gives give us this day our daily bread registers a specific command for us to recognize our dependency, our dependency of faith in the Lord for all our nourishment and to realise that this provision for our needs flows out of a discipline of prayer, life and its daily. Give us our daily bread. Well, we probably meet God, hopefully not just weekly. I hope we do meet him weekly, uh, daily. And, uh, and, and, and for that nourishment, I mean, I need to have that nourishment every day. I need to have some... A, a, a person like God to be able to sustain me and to equip me. So dependent, dependent prayer is not desperate or demeaning prayer. In contrast, dependent prayer is gaining a personal realisation of God's unswerving commitment to us. He's got a commitment to us. And how we participate in God's provision for us. He's got an incredible provision And so I love this verse in the Lord's Prayer, this next part. And it says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Some translations say, forgive us our trespass. And uh, when I look at that, I sent sort of, it makes me like, well, you see those big signs that says no trespassing allowed. And... um, And so it speaks of our need of asking for the Lord to forgive us because we have stepped over the line. There is a line drawn. God wants us to live within the boundaries that is from the word and from his truth. They're the boundaries. He set them. They're there in place. He knows that that's the happy place for us. It's the right place. It's the best place for us to be. But we can tend to cross that line 
And it might be deliberate or sometimes it's not deliberate, but we cross the line and we're out of the boundary. And so with this phrase of asking forgiveness, Christ fashions a dual dimension of release into our regular pattern of prayer, a request for release from the shame of guilt and from the pain of neglect. In other words, to add to the faith idea in this message, we can call it releasing faith. And quite some some months ago, I, I, I shared communion in it, and I shared the communion uh, in that about a story of, a, of, of two families that had been affected by a drunk uh, and drug-fueled uh, driver that had driven into the, to the uh, group of children, and four of the children were killed. And this family were, were able to forgive the driver they felt that that was the only release that they could ever have in their life. Not bitterness, not anger. They could have done it. They had every, what you would think, every right to feel that way, but never did. And I learned a lot just from their testimony of just how powerful that was to them. And so it's releasing. You know, when we've had a bitterness or a, a, an offence against somebody or somebody has offended us, it keeps you bound. It keeps you just tied up. But no, we need to have that release. God's forgiveness is graciously offered and abundantly available. I loved your, so, uh, your message today, Sue. That was really powerful. I'm pleased we don't have that ark here now. I would have probably touched it. <laughs> there he's gone. Okay. <laughs> But you still have me, sorry, still here. Um, so we need to remind ourselves of the spirit of reconciliation as we forgive those who have trespassed against us even. And with this in mind, I move on to the next verse, which comes up and it says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is obedient faith, walking in obedience. It's confronting the reality of our vulnerability to temptation. Come on, look at you all. You'd think nothing would ever tempt you at all. Butter wouldn't melt in your mouths. You're such a holy group. Wow, I told you I was preaching to the converted. Yeah, look at you. You wouldn't even be tempted. Okay. I must be the only one then. (laughs) No. With these words, lead us not, means that we come to the Lord in advance. We don't leave it till when we have actually stepped in to that temptation. We need to commit ourselves to receive his deliverances rather than to entangle ourselves in the snares that the evil one and the enemy has there for us. Lead us not in temptation. That's the prayer. It's obedient faith. And um, in James chapter 4, in verse 7, it says, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, he will flee from you. That's right. So if you're having that difficulty, if you're having that, that time when when it's, you think that you're not making ground, well, 
Okay, there's some verses there that we can apply to this whole situation. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. This prayer doesn't remove temptations, doesn't remove that challenge of temptation, but God has a doorway or an exit. Deliver us from evil, it says, which indicates that we plan to walk in triumph and have dominion over the things that we would seek to conquer over us and, and we need to live in that obedient faith. We are nearing the completion of this prayer that Jesus himself actually uh, decided to pray and to show the disciples. It's climaxed in this way. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The prayer is climaxed in examining these words of trusting faith. Trusting Here is the active expression of a believer's heart that has found the absolute assurance of the complete triumph of God. When we conclude the Lord's Prayer with yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory, we're not just being positive, we're not just being poetic, we are reflecting on the power of trusting faith. Faith in a God that is answering prayer. Faith that stands in firm confidence regardless of circumstances. With this kind of prayer comes a boldness. It, comes a, become, it, it has a confidence and a rest. And I, as I look through all this, I, know, I said to myself, you know, when I pray and I, I'm, I've had that time with God, whether it's a quick prayer or whether it's a really quite lengthy prayer, that I have a time of rest. It brings a rest. It really does. Well, I hope it does for you because it does for me. And I want to encourage you, for when it's all said and done, our greatest resource is to rest in God's greatness. You know, I, I, I just know that there are people here this morning and, we, and we've been working and praying with the clients concerning this. But I would, I would probably be game enough to say that despite all that which they have gone through, that there is a rest and I want to encourage you that as we bring all this to God that he does bring that rest to you as well and that when we find in that prayer that um, as desperate as it may seem or as begging as it may seem that we still find that rest. In him we have confidence that every need will actually be met. And hopefully this message, I hope, will erase any question, why pray, to why not pray? Why not pray? What an experience, what an opportunity that is ahead of us. I'll close with Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. And I'll turn to it just quickly. Got it written down here. In Colossians chapter 4, it's, um, it's Paul speaking to those at Colossae. And uh, he says this, and I'm going to add, it's an amplified part of the word devote. But he says, normally he just says, devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it, etc. But I want to just open up that word. I had a look at the dictionary of what the word devote meant. For other religions, it means a whole lot of other things. But for 
for myself and us, I think this is what it means. It says, and it's quite scary when you look at what the word devote means, okay? The word devote means dedicate. It means to commit. It means to give. It means to apply. It means to reserve, to pledge, to surrender, to assign, to allot, to give over, to consecrate, and set apart yourselves to prayer. Woo! Now that hit me right between the eyes, that did. That really, really did, because I, you know, we look at this word devote and we're just thinking, yeah, no, devote. I'm just going to be nice about it. I'll just devote. But you know, there's more to that word devote. And today I want to encourage you that when we do have this Lord's Prayer, and maybe the Lord's Prayer can be opened in front of you and try to just reflect on what has been shared today. Hopefully it will change your idea. And then in that same little verse, it says, devote yourselves to prayer keeping alert in it, keeping alert, not sleeping, you're awake, good, to keep alert in it and an, excuse me, an attitude of thanksgiving, what thankfulness can do, okay, and then if not already on your, on your daily agenda, establish a daily devotional habit. At our life group, we are looking how to enter into his presence, how we're opening up our heart to God and also to plan and order our day. You sort of, I look at it and go, you know, these people know what to do about that. But, you know, it's such a refreshing thing to be able to just open up our heart again to God and to just order the day and put God in, the, in his rightful place there and to persevere in prayer. In Philippians chapter 4, and I do conclude with this one, and this is one of my favourite portions of scripture, the temptation to preach it every time, but it says in, in, in verse 6, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God that rest I've been talking about, that peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, all comprehension, shall guard, mount guard, garrison your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. And finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honourable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence of anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on those things. And these things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me and practice these things, says Paul, and the God of peace shall be with you. I hope that that has been helpful this morning and uh, thank you for giving me the opportunity of sharing more than the breakfast. I was able to share a message, but... Um, I, I don't necessarily need to give an altar call this morning, but if there is anyone that does need prayer, you're welcome to come and we can pray with you. 
It might be nothing to do with prayer itself. It just might be something that, you know, like encouraging your own prayer life, but it could be a prayer that we can pray with you. So I invite you to have that opportunity. Uh, I'll, I'll be here, Lynn will be here. And then uh, otherwise, enjoy your day. Enjoy your day and enjoy the coffee, enjoy the fellowship. And uh, we'll see you tonight, if you can make it, at uh, 6 o'clock for the Alpha program. And uh, we're enjoying working through that. God bless you all. Bless you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Rock Christian Church podcast. To be notified when the next episode is available, subscribe on our website at therock.org.au. You can also connect with us on Facebook at The Rock Christian Church. We hope you have been blessed today and we look forward to you joining us for our next episode.